you would open your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 5. I'd like to point out our men's lunch. This is something I hope to do at least semi-regularly on September the 15th. Um, And if you could, just shoot me a text or something so I can kind of get a head count so we know I've uh, got seating arranged for everybody. But I think that will be something very enjoyable for us. All right, Romans chapter 5, we'll begin our reading in verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And that literally translates, in whom all sinned. In Adam, all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression who is the figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more, the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses, under justification. For by one man's offense, death reigned by one. Much more, they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men under justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. All right, let's stand together. Sean leads us in singing our call to worship. Brethren, we have met to worship God our Father, we embrace He who chose us for His purpose, cleansed and saved us by His grace. Worship, honor, power, and glory unto Christ the Lord belong. He is worthy of our worship. He's the subject of our song. Brethren, we have met to worship Christ our prophet, priest, and king. Let us bow in adoration, let his praises loudly ring. Worship, honor, power, and glory unto Christ the Lord belong. He is worthy of our worship, he's the subject of our song. 
brethren we have met to worship God the Spirit on us blow even though we are but worthless let our praises freely flow worship honor power and glory unto Christ the Lord belong he is worthy of our worship he's the subject of our song if you would turn in your hymnal to song number 466 466 Christ liveth in me Verses 1 through 7.
Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead, and thou knowest that my servant did fear the Lord, and the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. And Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in the house? And she said, Thine handmaid hath not anything in the house, save a pot of oil. Then he said, Go, borrow thee vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels, borrow not a few. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee, and upon thy sons, and shalt pour out unto those vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. So she went from him, and shut the door upon her, and upon her sons, who brought the vessels to her, and she poured out. And it came to pass, when the vessels were full, that she said unto her son, Bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, There is not a vessel more. And the oil stayed. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil, pay thy debt, and live thou and thy children of the rest. Let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning with such praise and glory for your great name. It's such a blessing, Lord, to read these words this morning with an understanding and see the true blessings and the mercies of your grace upon this, this lady here, this widow. We pray, Lord, those same mercies here this morning. We pray the mercies of your grace be upon us abundantly. We pray, Lord, that you bless our pastor this morning, that you give those words that you put on his heart, give them to us, Lord, in spirit. Let us worship, Lord, in the way in which only you can provide, and that's in spirit and truth, by your gospel. Let this gospel, Lord, be preached to us by the way of affections. Let the affection of your love be shown to us. Let us walk in that light as we have heard preached to us this morning. Let us walk in the way of that light. Let that light shine through this morning to us by your gospel. Let it shine brightly, Lord, down in the deeps of our hearts, each and every one of us. We pray these things, Lord, for those who may not know these things. We pray those, Lord, if any among us, Lord, that don't know these things, that you give them that grace, give them that understanding. We pray, too, Lord, for those in whom are going through the difficult times, these troubled times in this life, these infirmities, the afflictions, the trials, the tribulations of this world. All these things, we pray, Lord, that you give them grace, give them understanding, let them trust in the true healer. All these things we ask, Lord, we ask these things in Christ's name, for his sake. If you would, just hold your Bibles open there to 2 Kings chapter 4. That's going to be our text this morning. I've titled the message, What Shall I Do for Thee? Maybe I should have titled it, What, what Do You Have in the House? But I already typed it out, so I'll stick with it. What shall I do for thee? I took that from the verse 2 where Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Well, that's a, a good question. What shall I do for thee? The question of salvation is what will God do for us? 
That's the question. The question is not what will we do for God. The question is not, well, what can I do to get this thing of salvation started? The question of salvation is this. What will God do for us? If God does it all, if he does everything in this matter of salvation, we'll be saved. We'll have eternal life. But if any part of salvation is something that we have to do, if the Lord left something one, even just one little thing left for us to do, then we'll be damned. It's as simple as that. If Christ does it all, we'll be saved. If not, we'll be damned. Now, we have a wonderful picture of that in our text this morning. The first thing oh, I want us to see about this matter of salvation, what will God do for us? We're in this mess, the mess of sin that we're in because of a death. Look at verse 1, 2 Kings chapter 4. Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead. And thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord. And the creditor has come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. Now this prophet, the wife, the widow, wasn't telling something that wasn't true. He was a faithful man. He'd been a faithful servant of the Lord. He feared the Lord. He was faithful. But he still died. He died because he was still a sinner, just like you and me. But he was faithful. And I thought when I was thinking about this man, what she said about him, you know the only people who are faithful are people who know they're sinners that are saved by grace alone. That's the only people who are faithful. If you know, God's taught you this, you know you're a sinner, you'll be faithful. You'll be faithful to trust Christ because you don't have any other hope. You'll be faithful not to look anywhere else because you know there's no hope anywhere else but Christ. And that's this man. He was a faithful man. He faithfully looked to Christ and he trusted Christ. Since he was one of the prophets, I'm assuming he was also faithful to preach Christ. But he still died because he was a sinner. And when this faithful prophet died, he left his family without any means of support. And now his sons are going to be taken as slaves to pay off the debts of their father. Now that is a real good picture of how you and I got in the mess that we're in. Our father Adam was created upright. He was upright. He was innocent. But he fell. He fell into death. He fell when he sinned against God. And when Adam sinned, all of us sinned in him. That's why I read that passage in, in Romans chapter 5. That's what Paul said, in whom all sin. When Adam sinned, we all sinned in him. When Adam died spiritually, we all died spiritually in him. When Adam sinned and racked up this enormous sin debt against God, we became debtors too. We became debtors to God's law and God's justice. And from the time that we were born, we con- not even born, from the time we were conceived in the womb, we were conceived in sin. We've been nothing but sinners from the time that we were conceived in the womb. We came forth from the womb speaking lies because that's our nature. It's a sin nature that can't do anything but sin. And our sin has left us with a sin debt that we cannot pay. God's justice requires satisfaction. And we can't pay the debt. Adam's sin has left us spiritually bankrupt. I mean without even the first penny to pay towards our sin debt. 
So God's justice demands our eternal death. The soul that sinneth, it shall surely die. That's what God's justice demands. And eternity in hell won't pay for even one of our sins. Do you know why our suffering in hell won't pay for even one sin? Because our soul is worthless. Because we're sinful. That's why. Now, we're in a mess, aren't we? I mean, we're in a mess. I don't know how long this woman's sons would have been, had to be slaves in order to pay off their father's, father's debt. Our suffering in hell would be eternal. Because we can never pay the debt. I mean, we're in a mess. I mean, we're in, we're in a mess, aren't we? We're just like this poor widow woman. Without help, without hope, without Christ in this world. And our whole mess started with the death, didn't it? With Adam's death. But now there's good news. Now the gospel declares the truth. The gospel declares the truth of who we are, what we are, how we got in the mess that we're in. It's human language can't paint a picture black enough and hopeless enough what we are by nature. But the gospel also tells the truth about the good news. The good news of Christ. Here's the good news. God's going to save some sinners. He's going to save them. And that's what's pictured next in our text. God does all of the saving for empty sinners. Verse 2. And Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in the house? And she said, Thine handmaid hath not anything in the house save a pot of oil. Then he said, Go borrow the vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels. Borrow not a few. When thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons, and shalt pour out into all those vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. Now Elisha told the woman, You go borrow empty vessels from all your neighbors. Everybody around the neighborhood, you borrow all the empty vessels that you lay your hands on. And you take them and you fill them with oil from that little pot of oil that you've got in the house. Now the vessels she borrowed, the vessels she brought into the house, had to be empty vessels. There couldn't be a, a, a jar, you know, with a, some oil in it. There couldn't be a jar just, you know, a little oil in the bottom of it. If there's a little oil in the bottom of it, turn it over, shake it, and dump it out. Only bring in to the house an empty vessel. Because the only vessels that are going to be filled from her little pot are empty vessels. And it had to be that way. This, this widow woman could only have empty vessels because those empty vessels are pictures of the people that God saves. God only saves empty sinners. Now, I know the flesh doesn't think that's good news, but that's good news. You don't have to produce a little bit of righteousness in order for God to save you. Here's who God will save. Empty sinners. They're empty of any righteousness. They're empty of any goodness. They're empty of, of any reason at all that God would find favor in them. They're empty. Those are the people that God will save. Sinners. This is the people God will save who are empty. They have nothing and they are nothing. That's who God will save. That's the only sinners that, that God will save. You've got to be empty before you can be filled. You've got to be stripped before you can be clothed. I thought when I was studying this, how many times do I hear that growing up? You've got to be empty before you can be filled. Here's where that phrase came from. 
You've got to be empty before you can be filled. God saves empty sinners. But here's what else is the other good news in our text. God will save every empty sinner. Every empty sinner God will save. Romans 10 verse 12 says this. The Lord is rich unto all that call upon him. You know who will call upon God? Empty sinners. And he's going to be rich to every last one of them. God has plenty of mercy. Plenty of grace for every sinner who is so sinful and so empty, the only way they can be saved is by pure grace alone. Don't ever think God doesn't have mercy for you. Don't ever think God doesn't have enough mercy for you. Don't ever think, oh, God's run out of mercy. He's tired of saving folks, you know. And the end of the world's drawing near and God's tired of saving folks. He won't save me. Oh, yes, he will. He will if you're empty. He will if you're empty. And that's what's pictured here in our text. You notice what Elisha told her? Go borrow those empty vessels. He said, borrow not a few. Don't, no, no, don't just go get a few now. Get every empty vessel that you can find and bring them into your house. And here's why Elisha told her that. This is a picture of God's salvation. Our God has abundant grace. Abundant grace. I know our sins abounding. I mean, just how high is the mountain of our sin? But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. No matter how large our sin debt is, God's got more grace than we got sin. His grace is always going to abound. God is rich in mercy. And I'm telling you, when God saves, it's plenteous. It's plenteous. Here's my third point. God does all the saving by his creative power. Verse 5. So she went from him and shut the door upon her and upon her sons. He brought the vessels to her, and she poured out. And it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said unto her son, Bring me yet another vessel. And he said unto her, There's not a vessel more. And the oil stayed. Now this widow woman, she just had one little pot of oil. And that one pot was used to fill every empty vessel that she and her sons could find. She brought all those. I mean, I wonder, did they think when they looked at this pile of of empty pots and pans and vessels, and she just had that little old cruise of oil, you know, did they think, well, this ain't going to take long. I'm going to dump this out. That's going to be the end of it. I just don't have much. She just started pouring. And sure enough, every one of those empty vessels that they brought in that house ended up being full of oil. They ended up with way more oil than they started with. Now that's a miracle, isn't it? It's a creative miracle. Now as great a miracle as that is, the salvation of a sinner is an even greater miracle. There is only one man who's ever on this earth, who earned a righteousness by his obedience before God. The Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, was made under the law. And he obeyed the law perfectly. One man. One man in 6,000 years of human history. One has obeyed God's law perfectly. 
And that one man, he's so wonderful. He's so sufficient. He's so powerful. That one man fills every empty sinner who ever comes to God by him. He fills every last one of them. Scripture tells us this one man saved a number no man can number. This one man has completely filled a number no man can number. They're all empty, and he filled every last one of them. <laughs> I've said this b- before recently, and I really like it. The gospel is supernatural. The salvation of a sinner is supernatural. And by supernatural, I mean that salvation is something only God can do. And he doesn't use any natural power or natural reasoning to get the job done. It's divine power that cannot be understood, that cannot be seen by the natural man. God doesn't use any natural, any natural human thing at all to save his people from their sin. It's supernatural. It's a work done only by God. And that's what's pictured here. God created oil. He just kept creating oil where there was no oil before until all those pots were full. Now, the only way that's possible is if God created the oil. She just kept pouring and God just kept creating oil until the pots were full. It's just like the miracle of the loaves and the fishes. The Lord just took that little bit and started breaking it and handing it out to his disciples, and they ended up with way more. They ended up with a, a boy's lunch and a lunch, you know, just paper bag, and they ended up with 12 baskets full. How'd that happen? The Lord created matter. As he broke that fish, and that, he was creating matter. He did the same thing here with this oil. And I point all that out for this reason. God uses that exact same creating power. To create something that wasn't there before. To create life in the hearts of his people. God creates, when God saves one of his people, he creates a new man, a new nature in them that was not there before. God doesn't change the old sinful nature into a holy, righteous nature. God creates a brand new nature. He starts from scratch. From brand new seed. He's not going to use that old sinful seed again. Nicodemus said, well, can I enter back into my mother's womb and be born a second time? Well, Nicodemus, if he could, it wouldn't do you any good. You're going to be born from the same sinful seed, the same process is going to produce another sinful Pharisee. That's all it's going to produce. God uses new seed to create a new man who was never there before by his creative power. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I mean, just it's, it's hard to imagine what the universe looked like when it was void and empty of life. And God spoke and said, let there be light. God spoke and said, let the dry land appear. God spoke and all these things just suddenly appeared. It's hard to imagine the power of that and what that must have looked like. It's hard to imagine, isn't it? God uses that very same unspeakable power to give life in the hearts of his people. It takes that much power to do it. Look here, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 5. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. And here's why we do that. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts 
to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And here's how God, here's how creation began. God said on the first day, let there be light. And there was light. It was so. And that light on the first day is the Lord Jesus Christ. You read the account this afternoon. The sun and the moon and the stars weren't created until the fourth day. That light on the first day is the Lord Jesus Christ. The creation of the physical, material world began when God said, let there be light. Let Christ appear. And it was so. The salvation of our sinful souls begins the very same way. By that same power, God says, let there be light. Let the Lord Jesus Christ appear in the hearts of my people in his glory. God said, let there be light, and there was light. Just like I said in the Sunday school class this morning, God says, let there be light, and suddenly we say, oh, I see. Now I see what you're talking about. Why do I see? Because God said, let there be light. That's how salvation begins. If God has saved you and you know Christ, this is what you know. There was a time you were in darkness and you didn't know God. You didn't trust Christ. You didn't know the gospel. You didn't believe the gospel. You didn't believe Christ. You didn't love it. You hated it. You were right bored with it. And now you love it. Now you believe Christ. And you know the reason why, don't you? Because God said, let there be light. In his power and in his mercy and his grace. And Paul says he does it by the preaching of Christ Jesus the Lord. That's why we keep preaching him. Because that's what the message God uses to give light to his people. And when God saves his people, I'm telling you, now they're born empty. They're born worthless, but they don't stay empty because God fills them. And you know what he fills them with? He fills them with his son. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians 1, beginning in verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power? To us word who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ, when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Now that's the glorious Savior who satisfied his father. Who by his sacrifice put away the sin of his people. He suffered and died. The father raised him from the dead because his sacrifice put away all of the sin of all of his people. And the father glorified him in heaven over all things. I mean you just think how glorious this eternal savior is he is over all things now look what verse 23 says over all things to the church which is his body the fullness of him that filleth all in all i just try to let that sink in for a second him who the heavens cannot contain fills his people God fills his people with Christ 
Now, if you're filled with Christ, you're plumb saved, aren't you? If you're filled with Christ, there's no room for you and me and our sin and Adam's nature anymore. You're filled with Christ. Filled. Then you're plumb saved. You're plumb saved. And here's another example of God's saving power and his grace and mercy in Christ. This widow woman kept pouring out oil. And she poured and she poured and she poured and she, I don't know how many vessels she had. She kept pouring. And that oil never ran out as long as there was an empty vessel. The oil only stayed when all the empty vessels were full. Now God has mercy and he has grace for every empty sinner who needs to be filled. And I promise you this. God's never going to run out of mercy. He's never going to run out of grace. He's never going to run out of forgiveness. He's never going to run out of love. He's never going to run out of patience. He's never going to run out of keeping power until every empty, guilty sinner has been saved. That's what William Cowper wrote in his great, great hymn, There is a Fountain. Dear dying lamb, thy precious blood shall never lose its power. To all the ransomed church of God be saved to sin no more. As long as there's an empty vessel, God's going to be pouring out mercy. As long as there's an empty sinner. Now I know this. There are empty sinners listening to me this morning. But if there are any, any empty vessels who know you're an empty vessel. there are any empty sinners here that, this morning that know you're an empty, empty sinner. I want you to take comfort. You come to Christ. You come to him. And you come to him right now, right now, for this reason. Here's why you come to him. God always has saving power. He always has mercy for every empty sinner who ever comes to him seeking mercy. Now you come to him. You come to him, and he'll fill you. I'm telling you, the only qualification you have to meet in order for God to save you is this. You're empty. You're nothing. If you can truly say, in my hand, no price I bring. I mean, I've got nothing of any value. If you can truly say that, God will fill you. He feels every empty sinner comes to him. Then one more thing back in our text, 2 Kings chapter 4. When God does all the saving for his people, they're saved forever. Verse 7. And she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil. And pay the debt. And live thou and thy children of the rest. Now I almost passed over this when I first began studying this. Just I, I'm, I'm thinking, just sell the oil, pay the debt. you know. And, but he doesn't just say pay the debt. He says pay the debt and live. Live. This widow sold the oil, all those pots, and she paid off her debt. And there was money left over. It was enough money for her to live on the rest of her life. She lived on that. The miracle of creating the oil didn't have to be done again. Once was enough. It was sufficient for her for the rest of her life. Now that's the salvation that we have in Christ. That's the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. Once is enough. 
Well, all those sacrifices on the Day of Atonement, that wasn't enough, was it? <laughs> no, they had to do them over and over and over again every year. The sacrifice of Christ is so perfect, it's so sufficient, once is enough. By his one sacrifice, he has sanctified forever them who believe. They're sanctified forever. The one sacrifice of Christ saved all of his people eternally. And there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. There'll never be another one. It never needs to be repeated because of who was sacrificed. The perfect son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, was, was sacrificed and the debt was paid. The debt was paid. Never needs to be done again. And the same thing's true of the new birth. Once is enough. Once is enough. If God the Holy Spirit takes an empty sinner, like you and me, and he fills us with Christ, we'll never die. If God the Holy Spirit takes an empty sinner, fills us, we will never fall away from Christ and have to be born again a second time. Never. Once is enough. Because when God gives life, you know what he gives? Eternal life. He gives eternal life. And if God's the one who fills us, we'll never die. We'll never have to be born again. Now, we will have to eat, won't we? The new man needs to be fed. He needs to be strengthened. He needs to be encouraged. We feel like we come in here empty and hungry and starving and, and need something to fill us. And that's true. We need to be filled with the gospel. We need to feed on Christ. But if God saves us, once is enough. Once is enough. The believer will live off Christ forever. For the rest of this earthly life, the believer lives on Christ. And in glory, all throughout eternity, we're going to live on Christ. We're going to live on Him. If you're an empty sinner, you can't produce anything good for yourself. i got some good news for you. If Christ is all you have, you've got enough. If you've been filled with Christ, if he's your only hope, if he's the only hope you have, if he's the only hope you want, you got enough. If you have Christ, you have all. You're filled. You have all. You have everything God will ever require of you. If you have Christ, right here sitting in them chairs, you're as holy and righteous and perfect as you ever will be. Now, in glory, you won't have this body of flesh, but you're going to be more holy than you are right now because you've been filled with Christ. If you have Christ, you have everything. Now, if you've got Christ, plus your morality, plus your good works, if you've got Christ, plus your understanding of good doctrine, you've got Christ, plus your strict orthodoxy, you don't have anything. If you've got Christ plus something you've done, you're bankrupt. But if all you have is Christ, you have everything God requires of you. Because God has found the empty sinner, and he's filled them. He's filled them with Christ. And that's my prayer for you and me this morning. All right, let's bow together. Our Father... How we thank you for this glorious, 
picture of the work of redemption, the work of salvation that you accomplish in your people. Father, how can we begin to thank you for your mercy and your grace, your pity and your compassion that you would choose to fill empty sinners such as we are with your son. Father, we thank you. And Father, we beg of you that you continue, that you continue to pour out your gospel. You continue to pour out your son and fill these empty sinners who are meeting here this morning. Fill every one of us with Christ so we can leave here trusting and hoping and resting in him. Father, it's in his precious name. It is for our good, for our benefit, but Father, for the glory of Christ, how we pray you'd be pleased to be merciful to us. It's in his precious name. For his glory we pray. Amen. All right. Sean, come lead us in a closing hymn, if you would. Okay, if you would, turn to song number 353 and stand as we sing, Leave It There. 353. If the world from you withhold of its silver and its gold, and you have to get along with meager fare, just remember in his word how he feeds the little bird. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Leave it there. Leave it there. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. If you trust and never doubt, He will surely bring you out. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. If your body suffers pain and your health you can't regain, and your soul is almost sinking in despair. Jesus knows the pain you feel. He can save and he can heal. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Leave it there. Leave it there. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. If you trust and never doubt, he will surely bring you out. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. When your enemies assail and your heart begins to fail, don't forget that God in heaven answers prayer. Will make a way for you and will lead you safely through. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Leave it there. Leave it there. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. If you trust and never doubt, will surely bring you out. Take your burden to the Lord and
and leave it there. When your youthful days are gone and old age is stealing on, and your body bends beneath the weight of care, He will never leave you then, He'll go with you to the end. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there, leave it there, leave it there. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. If you trust and never doubt, He will surely bring you out. Take your burden. 